Hello and welcome to another episode of Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. My name is Tiago, your host, and I've been your host for the past seven months already, and I feel that uh, we have a relationship now. Yes, it's getting serious. You and me, every week, speaking about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship, and uh, speaking with other entrepreneurs it's it's been great and uh, it's christmas time it's holiday time for most of the people so things are a bit slower and this episode is going to be a little bit more slow paced and uh, normally i try to segment my episodes into multiple sections we have the lifestyle of the entrepreneur update of my projects and tips and tricks and tricks <laughs> tips and tricks for bootstrappers but today the boundaries between the segments will be a little bit more subtle and i have a lot of things to tell you a lot of news some experiments i've made but yeah i will just have a casual chat with you and you're probably on holiday right now so you can just sit down relax and uh, yeah, listen to me speaking about bootstrapping and entrepreneurship. So let's get started with a sip on my coffee. I hope you are also having a nice drink and uh, enjoying this podcast. It's interesting that uh, this week... And I think it's it's the first week for the past, I guess, month or so that no new member join our space. We have a virtual co-working space for bootstrappers where people can join to work together with bootstrappers and entrepreneurs from all over the world. We support each other. We, yeah, we are friends. We, there's people already meeting in, in real life. And uh, yeah... People have been joining, new members have been joining every week. But I guess now because it's Christmas this week, there's no one new for me to introduce to you. Which is okay. I mean, of course, I'm a little bit sad. I, I wish that uh, I would just grow and grow and grow and get more paying members. But it's, it's interesting or rather it's important also that people take the time for their families, for themselves, and to disconnect from their businesses. I, I did that for the past three days, and I didn't touch my laptop. And I have to say, it felt really, really good to just leave my laptop at home, and uh, then I spent Christmas at my parents. And it's, it's hard at first. It's really hard at first and you feel that you cannot stop, that there's so much to be done and you haven't achieved all your goals. So it's really hard. But once you do, you feel great. And then, at least for me, it's actually hard to return. <laughs> it's hard to return back to to work because I feel that I just want to rest and uh, chill and be with my family and friends and partner. But yeah. Here I am, also very excited. I think that's a cool thing also of being a bootstrapper or entrepreneur. It's, I think it's really rare the days that I don't feel excited to come to work as opposed to when I'm actually working for other companies when sometimes that's 
that's not the case. So I think it's great. If you are still relaxing, just keep on relaxing. Don't feel tempted to go check your messages. It's, it's your holiday time. So chill. And uh, if it makes you feel better, you will learn some new things from this podcast, I guess. You'll learn from my experience. And uh, I have something really interesting to tell you. So if you remember last week, I told you that I was experimenting with trial, trial periods. And um, it all started because I'm now writing for indie hackers or not writing for it seems they hired me. No, <laughs> I'm writing there because I, I like it. And I'll speak a little bit more about it in, uh, in a couple of minutes. But one person told me or asked me if she could join the community for free as a trial period. And at first I thought that I, that was not possible because first of all, it was not the first person asking me this. And I thought to myself already in the past that it didn't make sense. You know, my intuition, my bootstrapper intuition was telling me not to give the community for free or even the trial period. Because a community is not a SaaS product. A community is a group of people that trust each other and support each other. And as I told you, there's people already meeting in quote-unquote real life. So just suddenly having random strangers joining without having the payment commitment. Because when someone pays, even if it's only 4 euros, it's a commitment. Especially because it's a, it's a subscription. So they will pay every month. There's already a filter. You know already that people are committed. And most of my committed members are paying members. Or I guess all of them are paying members. And uh, because of that, I didn't want to give any possibility of someone joining for free. Because they could damage the community. They could spam. They could start any fights. They Or they could just be inactive. So even though that was the case, I always try to sometimes go against my intuition because, let's face it, it's also wrong sometimes. So it's always hard to know when I should follow my intuition and why, when I shouldn't. But what I always try to do is I collect feedback from multiple sources. And I think this is very important and a common mistake. When you're starting your project and you don't have that many users, you feel that any feedback is amazing, right? One person comes to you and tells you that you should change the color of this button. You do it without thinking twice. And uh, I learned that sometimes it's not the best. What I tend to do is to collect a lot of feedback. And don't get me wrong, collecting feedback is crucial. But I try to write down, I have a Trello board where I write down all the feedback I get and I cluster them. So if three people ask me, to change the color of the button to blue, I start really seriously to consider changing it. But I don't do it if it doesn't align with my mission. So let's take Change It, my climate change app. If you are an early listener of this podcast, you've heard me speaking about Change It for a long, long time. And uh, in the beginning, Change It didn't have any mission. So I, I kind of didn't know where which features would actually fit in but the moment i actually come up with a, with a mission and the mission for change it is to make sustainability accessible to everyone it made everything easier right so now when someone 
tells me to change, or three people in this case, tell me to change the color of the button to blue, I have to see if it makes sense with the mission of the product, which is to make, again, uh, sustainability accessible to everyone. And if, let's say, the reason for changing to blue is because people can see it better and then they click more in the notification, therefore, it's more accessible to them to get this information. Then it makes sense. So that's what I recommend you to do. Try to collect feedback from multiple users. Only tackle the ones that are repeated and make sense in your mission. And uh, that's kind of what I did. It was not the first time I have heard that people wanted to try out the community before actually joining. And the mission of the community is to help other bootstrappers. So if this is somehow helping them to join, then I'm helping them, right? So I said, okay, let's try it out. I asked the community. They said it was completely fine and it's an experiment. I adjusted the Buy Me A Coffee platform because that's kind of the platform that I'm using to manage my subscriptions. And I'm kind of also, by the way, reaching the limit of this platform because it's mostly built to support content creators and uh, not to manage subscriptions. But I was able to find a way. I adjusted the landing page. I launched it and uh, I didn't get any new free members joining for the first 16 hours. I know 16 hours is not a lot, but I was very anxious. I just, you know, it's normal. As a bootstrapper, you launch something, you want to see results right away. Next day. I wake up with three new members and I'm feeling stoked, right? I'm like, okay, yes, this is working. Conversion rate is much better than before. But one thing that I was kind of expecting happened. People were not engaged at all. Most of them, I think in, in total, six people joined and only two of them actually introduced themselves. So normally when you join, you get a message asking you to introduce yourself to the community. It's kind of a way to the members to get to know you and you get to know them. I sometimes match people around that I know that they might have some synergies together, but most of them didn't actually engage. Most of them didn't send any message. And it was creepy because you could see them going to the virtual office and going around exploring. But even when I tried to reach out to them and say hi, they would not answer me and uh, they completely ghosted us. So it felt really creepy. It felt that it was somehow a breach of our trust and people were joining and not engaging. And for me, that would eventually damage the community. So after I think two days, actually, I decided to stop it. No more trial members, at least for now. I even considered on having some kind of automation that if someone didn't introduce themselves in the first, let's say two days, I would automatically kick them out. But then I thought, okay, I don't want to invest the time building something just to test it. Uh, I think for me, it's, it's just easier to have this filter, right? This price filter, because then I know for sure that when people are joining, they have a highly likelihood of actually being engaged. So one thing that I did implement was a 30 days money back guaranteed, no questions asked. This was also, by the way, a suggestion of some of the members of the community. And uh, I think it, it makes total sense. I know it's not the same. You still have to trust me with your credit card information. 
you still have to trust that I will return the money to you. So there's still some trust, but that's the trust I'm asking also as a filter for you to join the community. And uh, I'm using Stripe, I'm using Buy Me A Coffee, which are well-known platforms. So I'm not tricking, I'm not going to steal all, all of your money. And uh, I know that it will discourage some uh, people from joining, but it's more as a feature and not a bug. <laughs> it's what a lot of developers say to their quality assurance people. This is this is a feature, not a bug. Or this is not a bug, it's a feature. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying now. I'm still curious to see if the two people that actually engage with the community will stay with us in the long term. I think uh, actually in the end of this week, it will probably finish their trial period. And uh, I will ask them if they would like to join or not. But uh, I will, I'll keep you posted. I'm, I'm uh, also excited to see how that will turn out. And don't get me wrong. I'm still quite happy with the fact that I tried it out. I think it's really important to, as an entrepreneur, to do a lot of experiments. Because that's the only way you can actually learn. Of course, you can read a lot of the things in books. And you can predict some of the outcomes. But your business is unique. There's no other business like yours. There's similar business, but nothing that exactly matches this, the description and the team and the features of your product. So it's always different. And it's sometimes for a certain business, a certain thing works and for others, it doesn't. So it's really important to try out. Since I started this journey that people told me to keep on pushing and pushing because eventually things will just start working out. You'll start having more listeners or users. It will grow exponentially. And for me, this doesn't make any sense because if I'm doing something and it's not working, I'm not getting new users, I'm not getting new followers, why would suddenly this change if I keep on doing the same thing? So I kind of have a new version of this theory, which is, yes, be consistent, that's really important, but always try out new things. If something is not working, let's say, for instance, I will give you an example. I started with this podcast and I started by releasing daily. In the beginning, it was working. Every episode would have new listeners, I would have people give me great feedback and my audience is growing. Perfect. I will just continue doing the same. And eventually, I will just get retweeted or shared by a big account. And then, of course, I can get an exponential growth. But the opposite actually happened. It stagnated. I didn't have more listeners. I was always having the same, which was already good. So I was not losing any listeners, but it was not growing. So, of course, I could have kept doing the same. And I did for one month or so. But I'm sure that nothing would change. I mean, uh, yeah, someone maybe would find about me and tweet, but the chances are really, really low. So I decided to mix things up. I decided to change things. And uh, one thing I decided was to change the format instead of actually releasing every day. I'm now releasing twice a week. I have a freestyle episode like this one, and I have uh, an interview. So this gave me more time to do marketing, more time to prepare my content. And so far, it seems to be working out. I was able to double my audience. It's still not a lot. I'm having about 60, 65 listeners per 
episode with the interviews eventually going to the hundreds. So, for instance, the interview I did with KCD is now reaching 300 listens. That's great. That's really good. I'm super excited about that. So it just gave me also more time to prepare things and focus on marketing. And now it seems to be going and heading in the right direction. So I just will keep on pushing, but I will also try new things. So again, be consistent, but don't stop experimenting. Don't just do the same thing and expect to have a different outcome. I think it was Einstein that said this, right? So if he said it, <laughs> it's because it's true. <laughs> One thing that I've been experimentally lately is with uh, Indie Hackers. Indie Hackers is a platform, it's kind of a forum for entrepreneurs and bootstrappers. And I, I know about Indie Hackers for a long time, but I only decided to invest my time on it now for two main reasons. First of all, I was focused on Twitter. And I really believe that, especially in the beginning, when you are learning about one platform, that requires a lot of your time. It requires time to understand the feeling, to get the feeling of what are people talking about, to get some followers, to get some friends in the platform. So I, I had to focus 100% there. And I was not passionate about Indie Hackers too. I didn't understand how I could use the platform and uh, my only thoughts was, okay, I'll go there and just spam my products. That doesn't work. That's something that I've learned. In the beginning, when I started this journey, I would just paste the same link everywhere and hope for people to come and, I don't know, I'll become rich. It just it doesn't work that way. And uh, there's, there's a very simple kind of explanation or metaphor I can do to you, right? So... Let's imagine that you are chilling in your couch and out of the sudden you just hear a knock and it's coming from outside, you open and there's someone selling a magazine, it's selling a magazine about cars and what they say is, hey, do you want to buy my magazine? And they show you the cover and here it's 20 bucks. Of course, most of you will say, no, I, I don't want to buy your magazine. I don't know anything about your magazine. Why would I just pay? Please leave, right? There's no trust. You don't know this person. You don't even know if the magazine is good or not. One thing that is very, very different is that imagine that they are selling this magazine in front of your house, right? There's a little kiosk and they are selling this magazine. Every time you leave to get into your car, this person is super nice to you, gives you nice tips about your car, tells you how you can make the car perform better or recommends you a great mechanic. Then, after, let's say, a month, they come to you and they say, hey, by the way, do you want more tips? You can buy my magazine. Now you already know, you already trust this person. So the likelihood of you actually buying the magazine is much, much higher. It's the same thing with social media. And... Uh, you, when you join a group, a Facebook group, Twitter, Indie Hackers, you cannot just right out of the bat spam your things. You need to get to know the people. You need to show that you are an expert or at least that you know about this area before you actually share it. So that's why I also didn't want to invest a lot of my time with Indie Hackers because I didn't have much to offer. But recently, I've started writing my thoughts there. Small posts, it takes me... 15 to 20 minutes to actually write something. And uh, 
it seems that people are liking it and I enjoy it too. I really enjoy to write my feelings and ex express them in the different medium. I prefer podcasting, obviously, <laughs> please, I, I will not stop. But still, it's, it's really nice. It's a different format. And I've noticed that it's bringing a lot of traffic to the website because I always link my product in the posts. Just yesterday, I released something that it was actually trending. It was the top post on Indie Hackers. Woohoo! It's amazing. So I got, I think, 800 views in this post and I got a lot of traffic coming to the website. So actually, Indie Hacker traffic is now, I think, for two weeks in a row, overcoming the traffic coming from Twitter. So it kind of became my main source of users and potential listeners to my podcast. So keep on experimenting. I feel that now I kind of understand better Twitter and I can allocate some of my time to another platform. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been great and I, I really enjoy. So this is kind of what, I, what I've learned from that. And this last post that I share on Indie Hackers, the one that got a lot of views, was about the imposter syndrome. And if you're an entrepreneur or a bootstrapper, I know that you felt this at some point of the way. If you haven't, please send me a message on Twitter. I want to know you because I think most of the people did. And even if you are not an entrepreneur. I don't know if there are any listeners here that are not or don't consider themselves as inter entrepreneurs. Most likely, if you are listening to this, you are. But we kind of feel like imposters at some point in our life, no matter what is our career path or even in the social, in our social life. We, we kind of always feel like imposters sometimes. It's normal. But we tend to look to the others with more success and we think that they don't feel like that, actually, sometimes they are the reason why we feel like imposters, because we believe that we cannot reach that level. And uh, in some of interviews I, I've done, or I guess most of them, I, I, I got a chance to interview a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs from different degrees of success, different backgrounds. I interviewed people building apps in the fashion industry, building fulfillment centers. So it's been a big, big variety. And I realize that everyone has this imposter syndrome. Let's take the example of Arvid. Arvid is a big bootstrapper, has more than 40k followers on Twitter. He sold his company, sells books, everything he writes. People normally likes it. Like he is also a great, great guy. And in the interview we did, he told me that he looks up to Peter Levels, for instance. And uh, he even said, quote, how come he built just a small PHP script and he's making millions, right? He also envies the writer of Atomic Habits that was able to write a book that uh, has sold millions. So it's normal. You always compare yourself to the ones around you, to the ones above you. And even Arvid is doing that. And another interesting thing that I kind of realized is that when you see someone having success, you tend to forget that there was times when they didn't. And it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon, right? So people only show up in your radar when they actually have success because they have a lot of media around them, they have a lot of followers, the algorithms love them, but they don't show up when they have no success. And I, I recently also interviewed Dagobert, 
the founder of Logology, also interviewed, by the way, his wife and co-founder. And they told me that to reach the stage that they are at, so they now are able to kind of take a nice salary out of their projects. Dagobert has more than, I think, 11K followers on Twitter, even though two months ago he had like 3,000, so he's growing like crazy. And it told me that it took them four years, four entire years to reach this level. Four years where they didn't get paid, they were just spending money. Four years where they had to convince themselves and the one around them that this would work out. Four years of no holidays. It's really, really hard. But no one knew about them because they were still not in our radar. <laughs> You know, it, it makes me think of the, the Fermi paradox. This is a very nerd talk, but uh, why can't we see any aliens, right? Maybe we are just too small for them and we are not in their in their radar. And once they are able to find us, they come and destroy us. Okay, this maybe came, <laughs> became a little bit too dark. So I don't want to destroy Dagobert just because he's in my radar right now. But uh, it was not in the past because... He was not famous or he was not having success. So think about this. Just because someone is famous or having success right now, you it doesn't mean that they didn't have years and years of struggling, right? So sometimes you're just in a different phase. Enjoy every phase. It's really important. And don't compare yourself that much with the others. Compare yourself in a more rational way. Like, I want to avoid their mistakes. But don't compare yourselves in the sense that you want to be them. You need to be yourself and uh, everyone has this imposter syndrome within themselves. Everyone. I've been doing this for seven months and I'm making 60 euros per month. 60. I came as a developer making 60,000 per year. Right, And that's not even a lot. A lot of developers make much, much more money. So, of course I get nervous. Of course I get anxious. I might have to start a, a job soon. Because 60 years, of course, doesn't pay for anything. Especially in Portugal, rents are crazy. So, just, yeah, think about it like this. It's Everyone is in the same boat. Take your time to relax. Don't be too hard on yourself. Because we are all <laughs> imposters. In a way, at least we think we are. One last thing I want to share with you is, I guess, some tips, SEO tips. I've been um, working a lot with SEO, trying to optimize my page. And uh, by the way, it seems to already be working. So one of my main keywords is wannabe entrepreneur. It's the keyword I'm optimizing for my main page, my home page. And now I can see already traffic coming from that keyword. And when you search for wannabe entrepreneur on Google, you can see my page in the top results. So that's already working. That feels really great. But recently I was checking out and searching for some of the episodes I have in my website and they were not showing up on Google. I thought, what is happening? I went to the Google SEO console by the way, if you are trying to optimize your SEO, you need to register your website in the Google SEO console. Just search for it. Google SEO console. Google, Google SEO console. And you'll find it. It's very simple and it gives you great tips like uh, how to optimize your website, things that you can improve. 
and it also gives you the coverage. So it tells you how many of your pages are indexed by Google. So I checked that and I saw that 200 pages, 200 were not being covered by Google. And I thought, what, what's happening? And I clicked on it and it said, discovered, but not indexed. It's like, what the, <laughs> why is Google doing this to me? <laughs> uh, is it because I'm using Ecosia? <laughs> Maybe, Damn, they should not know. Anyways, I researched, I researched like crazy, went again on Google, I went on Ecosia, on forums, Reddit, trying to figure out what, what was wrong. And uh, the reason why Google does this is because Google knows. So they know that this page exists. They just don't think it's worth it to index. <laughs> How entitled are they? Yeah, I'm just not worth it to, to <laughs> index that. Of course, that hurts. I cried. I cried a little. <laughs> but uh, then uh, I put myself up and I tried to, re to actually figure out why they didn't want to index. And... It actually makes sense, you know, they, they are quite intelligent there. So what they do is they index the whole internet. And when there is redundant content, they only index one page. The, they call it the canonical page, the main page. They won't index the others. And in my case, I realized that most of the pages that were not being indexed by Google are the episode pages that contain a description, contain a, a player that you can click and listen to the episode. But the content that is in that page is basically the same as the content that is in all the other podcast streamers. Because the way I generate this page automatically is I go to my RSS feed. And if you don't know what this is, this is kind of an XML page filled with information of your podcast that basically tells all the platforms once there is a new episode. So basically Spotify is always checking this RSS feed and every time I release a new episode, they check it, they download it and they put it in their platform and uh, also with the descriptions and everything. So of course that once I push this content to my RSS feed, I generate my own episode page and I generate all the pages of my podcast in all these streaming platforms. So Google realized that the content in my episode pages is not unique. It doesn't make sense to show it because if someone searches for the title of an interview, let's say someone searches for KCD interview, it doesn't make sense for Google to show the first page filled with websites that basically show the same thing. As a user, as a Google user, I would not like to see that. It makes no sense. So what they do is they check out the pages. They are duplicate. They only index one of them and all of the others they don't index because they are just redundant. They don't want to show it. That's my theory why they are not indexing my page. It makes sense. So what I have done now is to actually write specific content for my episode pages. I have a different description for them. I have different information. I have a segmentation of the interview so that you can see what you can hear or listen to in every section. In So let's say from zero minutes to 11 minutes, you can hear the introduction, for instance. So you can see all of that. And uh, hopefully now I'll see Google indexing these pages and I will kind of test my theory in and see if it's worth it to do this for all that 177 episodes or how many I have. So 
Again, always trying out new things. It makes sense. And uh, I also now, every time I write a description on my website, I kind of think how people would search for it. So let's say, again, back to KCD. I imagine people searching for podcast KCD interview. So I tried in my description to have these keywords and I say in this podcast interview with KCD, she speaks about so that Google can actually crop a little bit of this content and showing as the result. If it makes sense for Google to do that, then I think it probably will make it easier to be indexed and actually showed in a good ranking position. So that's something that I've been trying out. And I've noticed also that a lot of people were complaining about this, mostly people that also were generating content automatically. So I guess, man, Google is too clever. They detect everything. There's no, I even thought, okay, maybe I can have some automatic way to change the content with synonyms or something. No, there's no way they will figure it out. I mean, they it's, it's Google, right? As the last thing that I want to share with you, I told you that I've been using uh, Plausible. It's a great analytics tool. They are a bootstrap company. They're already making thousands of euros and I'm really amazed. I, I tried even to get them in the podcast, but they, they were too busy, <laughs> unfortunately. But I really admire them and I've been using it. And one feature that I really like is that they show clearly where your users are coming from. Or is that Reddit? Is that indie hackers, whatever. But now my trial period is finishing and uh, I don't want to pay or I don't have the money now to pay for their subscription. And I was getting a little bit sad, but now I realize that Google Analytics also does this, but it's just not as intuitive as possible. So if you go, I think, to traffic acquisition, you can actually see where the users are coming from. And you can see if it's Reddit, if it's Indie Hackers, whatever. So that's a, a great tip here. And another thing that you can also do is to connect your Google Analytics with your Google SEO console. And then you can see which keywords in your Google Analytics are bringing the traffic and to which pages they go. So it's very simple. Just search for Google Analytics integration with uh, SEO console or Google SEO console. It, it's very simple. You'll find a lot of tutorials. It's very simple to set up. I've done that and now I have this information. So that's also super, super useful. It's another tip for you. And uh, that's the end of today's episode. I hope this was chilled but useful and not too stressful. I hope now you're still zipping your coffee and relaxing. And if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It will help the algorithm to show and recommend this podcast to other people, other entrepreneurs. So that, that's really important. If you want to further support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee. The link will be in the description. I don't do any ads. So that's literally the only way to keep this podcast going. If you like it, you can go there and support it. Or you can become a member of the WBE space, the wannabe entrepreneur space, virtual working space filled with bootstrappers, entrepreneurs. We support each other like crazy. And it's really a fun place to be. And now I really feel like I have a team. It's really nice. So if you want to join us, it costs us four euros or I think 4.6 dollars per month. The link will be in the description. There's people from all over the world and you can come 
try out if you don't like it you'll get your money back guaranteed no questions asked and uh, i'm looking forward to see you there this was another wannabe entrepreneur i wish you great holidays if that's the case and uh, see you around Portuguese lesson number three. Boas férias means good holidays. Boas férias.